Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. That shut my cake off. And today we are joined by an extra special guest. We have Beth from Raising Perdition and Raising Winchesters. Would you like to say hello? Yes, hello. I'm happy to be here. We are very excited to have you. And we are going to be chatting about the 11th episode of the sixth season of Supernatural, Appointment in Samara. Jamie, Beth, what did you think? I just want to start the conversation with a big old congratulations to Dean Winchester. You <laughs> remember he had a second brother. For like two seconds. For about two seconds. Like, <laughs> but for those two seconds, Adam was real once more and not just some bullshit that the writers <laughs> come up with because they couldn't think of anything else. Right. And I appreciate that. He immediately chose Sam. Yeah, immediately. Like, no contest. He's like, who do I choose? This innocent kid who had no idea what was happening and had no choice in any of this? Or my brother who, like, knowingly consumed demon blood for a solid couple of years? Like, he really was like, I have two brothers. And they were like, you can only choose one. And he was like, never mind, I have one brother. (laughs) I have made a TikTok exactly about that. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, it's. It was like a meme format from Arrested Development. And it was like, if you want to save your brother, get in the car. And he's like, which brother? And they say a brother and he does not get in the car. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one. But if you send me the link, I'll pop it in the description of the episode. I'm going to do it now so I don't forget. And if anyone <laughs> has not looked at Beth's TikTok page and you have seen all of Supernatural and you're not worried about spoilers, you should absolutely go over there because it is top fucking dear. Totally not spoiler free though. <laughs> definitely not spoiler free jamie is banned i am in fact banned <laughs> it is truly astonishing the amount of things that i am banned from <laughs> that my friends lovingly create that i am just not allowed to we're like jamie watch or engage you're such an integral part of our friendship group but you're not allowed to do anything <laughs> yeah no supporting your friends you can't see any of the things we do you're explicitly uninvited from certain group chats <laughs> yeah there are the number the sheer number of group chats that i'm just not allowed to be part <laughs> is really <laughs> astonishing anywho beth did you have any initial thoughts about the episode we've got jamie's <laughs> just like dean having to learn what huge entities are always trying to teach him that like messing with death isn't right but then again death himself is like I still like you though like he still gives him what he wants literally okay I have a fucking thought about this I had a note early on in the episode where he was first talking to death in the diner and like death gets right up in his face and stuff and I was like damn the only other character who gets up in his face like that is Cass and I was like that is so bizarre that like it's Cass and death that are (laughs) like getting in his face like that and then later on in the episode like towards the end when he's talking to death in Bobby's house Death says, most people speak to me with more respect. And I was like, oh my God, that's just like Cass being like, you should show me some respect. I was like, is this why these yeah. eternal beings are so fucking obsessed with this man? Like, it's just either he they has the audacity him, or they fall in love with him. And there is like no middle ground. No middle ground. It's like every celebrity AU fan fiction you've ever read where they fall in love with the main character because they're not like other girls. <laughs> they don't fawn all over themselves. They were in the front row reading a book. <laughs> Yeah, it's purely Dean Winchester's, like, his appeal is his sassy attitude that he acts like he's, like, so better than everyone. But each entity knows that Dean Winchester truly hates himself. And they're like, yeah, yeah I can fix him. Genuinely, genuinely. Like, every single one of them go, like, oh, he's got all this bravado, but I know he hates himself. I bet I could fix him. I just right. bet I could fix him. And every <laughs> single time, Dean's like, 
want to bet. And then Cass was like, oops, I made it worse. Dean's like, my self-loathing has no bounds. So. Jot that down. Also, this episode is literally just Dean being like surprised because two-faced. My like actions have consequences. Like, Right. What do you mean my actions have consequences? What do you mean that when they say there's like a natural order to things, it's not just them being absolutely dickheads? Like, you mean you weren't <laughs> just saying that for funsies? Like, you had a point? Incredible. <laughs> and like, when he dies to have the initial meeting with Depp, he's like, oh, you can have just given me like another like 30 seconds in there. Like, dude, you're dead for fucking seven minutes. Which, by the way, they do not address this, but that man <laughs> has permanent brain damage. Like, there is no question. Like, he was not breathing for seven fucking minutes. Brain damage. There is no way he doesn't. This is like Sam with his freaking concussions. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. I feel like Castiel heals him with Angel Mojo often enough that any brain damage would get healed pretty quickly. I mean, pretty quickly, but, but not, not immediately. Yeah. Like, I mean, unless you want to argue that death healed him, mm. like, which maybe because, like, arguably... I mean, death is obsessed with me. He's been dead, like, so many times. You're so right. He's, oh my God, he's the one that get, got away. That's why death's obsessed. <laughs> he's like, there's just something about Dean Winchester. Twirls his hair. Because, <laughs> like, obviously we have the confirmed death when he went to hell. We also have, like, all of the deaths in Mystery Spot, which even if they're not legitimate deaths, because, you know, Gabriel is messing with them I'm fully. so like, sorry. You really need a mystery spot, like, POV change where it's Tessa. She's like, Jesus mystery Christ. Spot, Tessa's POV. That's so funny. Her and Death are just there, like, <laughs> are you kidding? They're both just shit talking the entire time. Yeah, because regardless of whether it's an actual death or not, I still think Death has to be involved at least somewhat. Like, I, I don't think that's entirely separated from Death. I think it's like, someone's poking at death and death's like what the fuck is up with this fucking dude you know and then we also get the confirmation in um dark side of the moon they obviously die in that episode but i think we also get the confirmation that they've been dead a couple of other times before (laughs) shoved back to earth with their memories wiped just for funsies i'm telling you these kids have such extensive brain damage they just don't know and actually, honestly, we could use that as some evidence for why they make certain decisions at later dates. I think we could. Their brain is not processing things the right way. No. And I mean, like, clearly Sam is not processing things the Here's correct the thing, way. Up until this point, I was like, okay, well, Sam doesn't have a soul. That's all right. He's a little unhinged, but we love that for him. Yes. It's literally my favorite version of Sam is when he's insane and making bad choices. He's having fun. He's living his best life. And like up to this point, he'd made some bad decisions, but none of them had been like, I'm a murder Bobby bad. You know what I mean? Like, Like, it is so funny that you say that, Jamie, because we were just talking about mystery spot. And let me tell you, if I had a nickel for every time an angel who had it out for Sam not only tried to convince him to kill Bobby, but actually convinced him to kill Bobby, I would have two nickels. And that's not a lot, but it's weird it happened twice. (laughs) Especially considering they make the point in this episode, the only reason he has to kill Bobby specifically is because Bobby is his father. Literally. Like, literally, like, the only father he's ever actually fucking known. At least that's confirmed. Bobby is their real dad. But I just think it's so funny that if an angel says to Sam, hey, I think you should kill your dad, he just goes, solid point, all right, bet. I mean, if that's the only way I can get what I want. He really went, you know what? Dean listens to his little gay angel friend. I'm going to listen to my gay angel friend now. (laughs) Sam was just feeling left out. Except for the difference is Balthazar's like, you should just murder Bobby real quick. Also... 
Can we take a quick second just to point out that I think this is maybe the one and only time that an angel implies that Sam and Cass are an item? I was like, that's his brother-in-law. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) It felt wrong. Like, it didn't feel like it was in the right place. It felt like the writers were being like, "Mm, this Destiel thing's getting really out of hand. Like, we've got to balance it out slightly. We've got to, like, give them something else so that they'll get off of this train of thought. And I just want to say, how did that work out for you guys? It's not fucking well. I genuinely, I watched this and I was like, I think this is maybe the only time that this joke gets made at Sam's expense. And also, the fact that it just doesn't land, and they clearly know that because they don't keep doing it. Yeah. Because, like, I think, honestly, it comes down to, like, Sam's just like, yeah, whatever, whereas Dean will fucking have a reaction every single time. Yeah. They get a rise out of Dean. Right. It totally works with Dean. Yeah. And just I wonder why. (laughs) It just feels so much like the writers are like, oh, I've got to put this in you to try and like combat the Destiel. Yeah. Right. And it just does not work. It flops. And like, do you guys want to hear some devastating news? Oh, I don't know, Jamie. Depends (laughs) on what it is. I feel like you're going to tell us anyways. Yeah. (laughs) So you know how Destiel has the most fanfics of all time? Mm -hmm. The 2023 AO3 fanfic, like ship tag review. Mm -hmm. Destiel did not make the top 100 most posted ships. They've dropped off the ladder. They are still all-time reigning champions and the only ship. Not top 100? All right, kids, if you're listening to this, we've got to get a move on. Right, you're fixed. By the time this will come out, I will have already posted three separate Destiel effects this year because I've got three in the works. I posted one literally this morning because it is currently Beth's birthday when we're recording. Happy birthday, Beth. By the time this comes out, it will not be relevant. Yeah, and I've got two more in the works because we've, we've got two more birthdays coming up. I'm so sorry. How is Jamie single-handedly carrying the Destiel fanfic? <laughs> this feels targeted to me and I'm looking at my whips folder. Like, yeah, literally me. <laughs> we should actually bring this back around to the episode. I don't remember what we were talking about that got us. Oh, Destiel. And then Destiel. the AO3. And oh, yeah, right. so they have, they have fully dropped out of the top 100 in terms of like number of new fan works oh, that's so sad. in the last 12 months. That hurts my heart. I was watching a video on it, like, of someone going through and, like, reviewing the ships in it. And I was like, I just kept on waiting for Destiel. I was like, surely Destiel has to be here somewhere. They're like, they are the juggernaut ship. Like, there is no... It's because we haven't gotten any insane content. And if you work with us, you too can change this. We can make some insane content about this ship. That's the important thing that needs to be taken from this episode. Right? Your Destiel. (laughs) That's actually the PSA of today. Listen to the rest of this episode and then you stop whatever else you had to do. <laughs> yeah. And write a Destiel fic. Should we pivot into my actual PSA of the day then? Yeah, great. Do you yeah. have an actual guess? No, that's my actual guess. I forgot that this was a thing on your podcast and I didn't think of anything. We get a lot of feedback about our recording process with guests. And that's the number one piece of feedback we get. <laughs> was like, I fully figured out this. I was not prepared. <laughs> I know. I feel bad now. Sorry. Oh, um, God. No, don't go back. No. I okay. never come prepared with a PSA. Okay. I thought of one. Okay. It's kind of like an always be prepared sort of th- like PSA featuring Bobby's trapdoor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that might not be it, but that's my guess. My note on that is in all caps. Pull the lever. Crumb. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Bobby is always so prepared. Bobby having a trapdoor is literally peak characterization, and whoever thought of that needs a raise. <laughs> well, you are both wrong. My PSA is not right, Modestiel fan, and it is not about the trapdoor. It is something that is not meant to be taken this way. 
But I, I am in fact going to take it this way. It's your interpretation. Media subjective. Oh no, it's a purposely pulling this out of context. Oh, okay. Like, Never mind. <laughs> it's intentional. Don't you worry. A wall should last more than a lifetime. If you're building something and it's not going to last a lifetime, then maybe rethink the methods that you're using. And yes, I know that the wall is a metaphor in this circumstance and it's not a literal wall. How do you know? Maybe Devo, the tradie ghost or whatever we named him forever ago, maybe he's in there with his mortar and his Jesus bricks. Christ, and that's his... a vintage trying to pick the podcast reference. That's a deep cut. But no, so like they're talking about this wall that um, Death can put up in Sam's mind. He's like... Might last a week, might last a lifetime. I don't know. It's really not a great guarantee. <laughs> like, if I was paying for something with warranty and they were like, mm. might last a week, I'd be like, hmm, I might take my business elsewhere. I'm pretty sure Death even says it's like 75% chance of it working at all. Yeah. Which, yeah. to be fair, same odds that Dean got for, like, coming back to life, which I think is the point. But, like, you know. So he's taken these odds recently. <laughs> yeah, he's like, eh. I'm Dean Winchester. It usually works out. <laughs> yeah, because he learned nothing this episode. <laughs> yeah. While we're on Dean, it's irrelevant to the points we were just making, but I did want to ask about it because I was like, I'm pretty sure about this, but I want to be peer reviewed. So Beth, I'm going to ask you to see if you also thought this. So obviously in this episode, he dies and then like gets brought back intentionally, right? Is he wearing literally the exact outfit from 401 with the green overshirt, the black tee, the blue, like, is it the exact fucking outfit? I don't know. I didn't clock it. I didn't pay attention. I am going to look into it. <laughs> because if that was a choice, I'm fucking obsessed with it. Because I think, yeah. like, obviously they died and come back, like, in between those two times. Like, in Dark Side of the Moon is one example. But, like, I feel like it's very interesting thematically as, a like, a choice to have him wear the exact fucking outfit. Okay. New theory just dropped. Are you guys ready for it? Probably not. Yep. So, you know how we keep on saying Sam's making some really bad decisions? Yeah. It's not the fact he's soulless. It's the fact that Cass hasn't healed any of his brain damage since he was dead the first time at the end of season two. Well. Like, deep time because Cass has healed him since. But, like. Okay, to be fair, Cass has also diagnosed him since. (laughs) Cass diagnosed him and he said that the vessel itself was fine. It was just the soul that was missing. So, as much as I think that's a very fun fanon for you. It's just objectively a funnier take. One note I will make along that point of Sam's vessel, as it were, is that when he's talking about Balthazar, Balthazar says that he'll have to scar his vessel and he has to do it by, like, patricide, right? Killing Bobby, which, wild, but okay. But you're going to tell me that the fucking litres upon litres of blood that Sam was ingesting not that fucking long ago (laughs) was not enough to, like, quote-unquote scar his vessel? Because it's clearly not, like, a literal scar. Like, it's a metaphorical scar. Right. But also, what's the chances that Balthazar was just straight up lying to him? What's the chance that Balthazar just wanted him to kill Bobby for shits and giggles? Yeah, just because Bobby's kind of annoying. Like, Bobby's just something like, here's a reason why you shouldn't do bad things. Like, here's a reason to actually think through your actions. It's a lot easier for Balthazar to manipulate Sam if Bobby's dead. That's true. For a hot second there, I thought you were just saying that Bobby was annoying. And I was like, you're about to have to fight so many people, two of them <laughs> sitting right here. <laughs> Also, like, formal apologies to Noah for this episode. Right. (laughs) The resident Bobby stand. We'll put a little trigger warning in the notes. Like, Noah, don't listen to (laughs) to these three (laughs) seconds. Did anyone have anywhere they wanted to pivot us? Any points that they wanted to bring up specifically? I do have a couple of, like, little jiggy bits that I wanted to point out. So there's one point in the episode where Dean goes, 
there is no destiny. There is no apocalypse. And all I can think is that fucking meme that's like, and there is no queen of England. <laughs> oh actually do you know what's really funny about that yeah it's the anniversary of her death today and because it's my birthday I keep like literally last year I woke up and the first thing that I learned on my birthday was that the queen was dead I and then literally I woke up today I looked at my phone it's like the one year anniversary of Queen Elizabeth's death and I was like I guess this is just gonna be my birthday for the rest of time (laughs) yeah you'll always know Uh, anyway so sorry speaking of um pop culture references I literally had a note where Sam was like axing the door down trying to get to Bobby and Bobby goes like don't say here's Johnny I was literally in the process of writing here's Sammy and then I was like oh my god Bobby literally called me out backspace 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 I was like I'm so sorry Bobby (laughs) don't be disappointed in me did you have something that you wanted to pivot to that it was about the trap door and I'm trying to think if what I'm thinking of has happened in season five or if it happened in literally any other season that I can't talk about this is the first time we've had the trap door if that's at okay. all helpful <laughs> yeah I think that it's season five and it was one of the seals I believe Dean and Bobby get trapped in the closet don't they oh yes it's the what a lovely metaphor <laughs> it's a yeah. couple of antiquers <laughs> first episode with Jody, and yes. it's like the people the dead are rising in yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so like that happened to Dean and Bobby so Bobby was like, well, that can't fucking happen again. Yeah. I'm making a trap door. Actually, that's so funny. You, yeah, you're right. Because like, obviously he didn't have the trap door in that moment. So he must have between yeah. then and now been like. Improvised. I know. I have overcome. <laughs> yeah. Literally, like, Sam says, you shouldn't have cornered yourself. And Bobby's like, I fucking didn't. Because he literally was like, well, I'm not doing that shit again. Yeah. Bobby is just so smart. He's so ahead of, he's just top tier like strategist and like all of that like i fucking love, I love bobby. him <laughs> there's a reason that even if it wasn't actually necessary for sam to kill bobby balthazar would be highly motivated for sam to kill bobby bobby is the one with the brain cells 90 percent of the time and you take bobby away and uh the brain cells default to dean yeah but i don't know if dean necessarily knows how to use them or do they die with bobby <laughs> they die with bobby <laughs> Yeah, one of two options. Either way, these brain cells are not being utilized. I had a couple of other notes about Bobby this episode that, like, this seems like a good point to bring him up. But number one, they buried Death's ring in Bobby's backyard. And that just leads me to believe that the other horsemen's rings are just scattered around in the fucking dirt at Bobby's scrapyard. Because, like, we don't know what happened to those either. (laughs) Yeah, they're just keeping them. I assume, like, junkyard. if you went around with, like, a metal detector at Bobby's, you're just going to find the weirdest shit. Like, we know that we don't like John here on this podcast. You know, we think John's a piece of shit. But at least he put his, like, very powerful cursed objects in lockboxes in a storage fucking facility. They're like, <laughs> oh, we've got these insanely powerful rings. Let's just bury them in the yard. Let's just throw them out on the gravel and let them be lost to time. Like... What's so funny to me is I just assumed the rings had just been sucked into the cage with everything else. Oh, that's kind of valid, actually. I was like, oh, they just don't have them anymore. Like, the rings were just lost when they... They went into the cage. Yeah. That's actually so valid. They're a fundamental part of the cage, and you can't, like, remove them from the cage without... Mm. You know know what I mean? The way that Dean is a canonical Lord of the Rings fan, and yet he was totally fine just leaving these fucking rings around for people to pick up willy-nilly, I do not believe it for a second. (laughs) Like, I know, like, 
Bobby has like a huge junkyard and like what are the odds someone are is gonna come yeah. and like do that but nothing lasts forever they're not gonna be there forever someone comes and they put on death's ring like yeah, some, literally some random person puts on death's ring like that just shows up in a fucking op shop somewhere so now you have a rando who's death or has death's powers because they have the ring oh my gosh i took screenshots of dean from this episode and lazarus rising and it's pretty close i did mean to check but i ran out of time i love that the one reoccurring thing on our podcast is our guest host will always do more research than us <laughs> you're just like telling your listeners like maybe look it up yourself it's a it's a homework assignment we're really just like there's no way to know you know we never really know like I think I'm right though like looking at these like I think right. it's very it's definitely similar. black t-shirt underneath and then a green whether it's the exact same shirt or not you don't really know but at the very least it's the same style yeah yeah like it's it's basically the same outfit whether it's the same exact pieces or not like it's the same outfit that's just Dean's coming back to life outfit. Yeah, we love to see it. He's like, I came back once in this outfit. I can do it again. It was good it's luck. It's a lucky charm. <laughs> Castiel brought me back in this once. Fond memories. <laughs> like, literally this episode, I have the note, yeah, but Winchesters don't quote-unquote die. Like, <laughs> Do we actually want to talk about Dean wearing the ring and, like, the implications and, like... <laughs> Like the big, the big bit of this episode, you mean? Yeah. The actual plot. Yes. Or the implications. Or, or the do you want to keep dissecting stuff. what he was wearing? Clearly the most important part of this podcast. This audio only podcast. Yeah. The visual <laughs> Either of you have a place you might like to start with like, yeah, the actual plot. <laughs> I do think it's funny that like Tessa, like Dean like has his whole like spiel about how he hates Destiny. And he actively fights against it. And he stopped the whole apocalypse. And Tessa's like, you don't even believe what's coming out of your mouth right now. She just calls mouth constantly. And I love that for her. I love Tessa. <laughs> I think she's such an underrated character, honestly. Mm-hmm. What surprised me about that entire monologue, though, is he's very much like, destiny doesn't exist. The apocalypse doesn't exist. I'm like, babe, you stopped the apocalypse. It very much did fucking exist. <laughs> That's his point, though. Like, it was the whole, <laughs> the apocalypse was supposed to be destiny. And like, we talked kind of about this in our finale episode. The prophecy did still come to pass. Like, they're yeah. both kind of right. Like, it did still happen, technically. It was just is not the way that it was interpreted. Like, technically, they did still stop the devil. Like, technically, you know, all this shit. But, like, it was just subverted. I had a point about Dean and kids in this yeah. episode. And, like, we've been talking about Dean and kids, I think, since Dead in the Water because that's probably the first, like, big Dean and kids, like, kind of discussion episode. And of all the people that, like, Dean as death has to, like, take out in this episode, the only two where he really stopped and was like, I'm not going to do that, was when he thought that the little boy was going to get shot. And then he doesn't take the girl. And then obviously that causes the ripple effect that sort of proves Tess's point. And I think it's really interesting, this kind of concept, like, this deep seated like need to protect children and like we've seen it before but this I think is so explicitly like it's not fair that these children have to die it is not fair on them it is not fair on their families and like the first thing that he sort of says to Tessa when he sees like the armed robber is which one he's like no 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 no. like you tell me right now which one is gonna die Mm -hmm. and I think in that moment 
like we see later on in the episode when he stops the drunk driver, which I, I have some thoughts on. <laughs> but like, we'll get there in a bit. He takes the ring off and he stops that from happening. I think that if she had said like, oh, the kid is going to die, I think he would have taken the ring off right there and then. And I don't think that that scene would have gone down the way that it did. Yeah. Because I think he just has this intense, like, I don't know, specifically for kids. He's a very mm-hmm. protective person just generally, but like you put a kid in danger. Like even this episode, he didn't write a letter for Lisa. He wrote a letter to Ben. Right. Explicitly right. Ben it's addressed to. It's not addressed to Lisa. And I think that that is really interesting in and of itself. It is. I kind of forgot about that briefly, but yeah. The letter to Ben is just... It's heartbreaking. It, it is heartbreaking. And it also like kind of goes with like how I think like Dean treats Ben and Lisa. Like it's about that apple pie life and like having the family. And it's less about like Lisa herself, even though like mm. I like Lisa, but like he just, he he's obsessed with like that idea of the perfect little family. And Ben is a huge part of that. And like, then you just add on how Dean already feels about every child. Yeah. And it's a <laughs> even more special child because he knows Ben. Yeah. And he has that connection. And also like he said earlier, and like, I think maybe even the first or second episode of the season when he's talking to Sam and he says, you know, he's not my kid, but you know, I'm starting to feel like he is, you know, like that's yeah. not just any kid, that's his kid. Mm-hmm. And so like, you see how protective he is of just random children on the street versus right. like <laughs> a child that he actively cares for and like loves and, you know, has sort of taken a key role in nurturing I suppose for the last yeah. sort of year to 18 months now yeah I definitely think it's interesting because how difficult would it have been for them to put Lisa and Ben or Lisa but right. the fact that it's explicitly Ben and like it's very clear to the audience like it's written in all block like the yeah. camera focuses in like you know who the letter is for and mm-hmm. the doctor makes a point like oh I would have thought you'd written something to Sam and I was like I, yeah I like I get why he would say that but I do think it's interesting that they drew attention to the fact that it was only to Ben. Like, there wasn't anything for Mm -hmm. Bobby or Sam or literally anyone. It was just Ben. I think it kind of goes into, like, Dean knows how it feels to grow up with, like, a parent figure who's gone. And he's like, I have to leave him something if something does happen to me. Especially in this episode where the doctor specifically reminds him, oh, I've stitched up your dad so many times, blah, 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 blah. You know, like, we also get the very specific invocation of John. Which is not something that we get that frequently nowadays. Like nowadays, I say, but like you know, like outside of outside of Kripke era, like references to John from memory do typically kind of drop off a little bit. Like we get bits and pieces, but they become a little bit more specific. It's like, oh, if they bring up John, they're bringing up John because they want you to think about it in this context, not just like, yeah. oh, he happens to be around, kind of thing. Right. So it's certainly interesting, and yeah, you're right. Like the fact that they bring him up there. <laughs> the guy specifically mentions ages ago back when I still had my medical license ha 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 and it's just like yeah wow, we're just gonna a... we're just gonna breeze past that we also get the line from Dean which is like I'm no germ freak but he is I wrote that down too literally Dean wiping the grime off his fingers on his jacket and then having issues about the hygiene and the like grimacing yeah. going into the room I was like oh baby boy <laughs> yeah but he's not a germ freak so it's okay he's not self-aware <laughs> No. I also <laughs> want to make a quick note that the doctor grabbing his face, that felt so weird to me. It yeah. was literally giving, you know, when you're a kid and you're like forced to hug like a relative or something because they're like, 
you're a child, you don't have autonomy, like just go hug right. this fucking stranger because I know them <laughs> kind of thing. That was the vibe it was giving me. He's like, oh, I'm your fun uncle. Let me just touch your fucking face. And I was like, oh, I hate that so much. Right. Especially because like Dean gets touched without his permission Consent. way too often. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. It was so grotty. I really didn't like it. Also in that scene when the... I was almost said nurse. She's not a nurse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nurse would be very generous. I don't think she has a medical degree. <laughs> no. She's definitely just, just getting paid. You know, yeah. whatever. And she should get that coin. Like, she right. Good for her. I support women's rights and wrongs. <laughs> <laughs> when she gives him, like, the uh, IV or whatever, and yeah. he, like, winces and stuff. And I'm like, Dean, you can literally be, like, stabbed and you don't even... <laughs> hair but like a little needle he's like oh man i can't remember the title of the episode but it's not till till way later i think it's like season 13 it's the one it's it's right around tombstone like it's it's one of the episodes just after that like he has to put his arm in the hole when he gets the tiny little yep. pinprick on his finger <laughs> yep. like he's giving that yes it, it really really is speaking of the boys and their like ability to just be half dead and be totally normal about it I did want to mention, we obviously get, like, a lot of talk about, like, Sam and, like, his body and his choice over his body and, like, his autonomy is, like, this topic is something that we've covered a lot because it's super relevant for Sam and his characterization. Like, it's Sam being stripped of his bodily autonomy is nothing new at this point. But, again, they really, really highlighted this episode. And specifically, I think it's important to remember the way that they're describing Sam's soul being tortured in hell, because it is explicitly sexualized. Yes. If we think about like basically the two major instances we've had of sort of understanding what hell is like, what torture is like, Mm -hmm. Dean's torture was horrific, obviously, but it was never implied to be sexual in nature that I can remember. Sam's, however, has been constantly described in reference to sexualization of the Mm -hmm. abuse and it's number one interesting to me because in like their earthly presence usually dean is the one who is experiencing sexualized violence and sam typically is not but it's also i think just super super important to remember that this is the way that they were talking about it and like this is the kind of experience that sam has been having in the cage because i think it adds context to later plot stuff especially like even some later later season stuff like some conversations that he has with other characters and interactions and the way that he talks about his experiences with lucifer and stuff i think it is highly relevant to remember that this is how it was talked about because i think it adds context and depth and nuance to the situation that is sort of could be easy to overlook Mm -hmm. yeah for sure i don't know anything about that I'm just going to sit here for a minute. It's fine. (laughs) Sorry, Jamie. I promise that that is very relevant for me to point out. Like, I want you to think about it so that, like, as we go through. It'll be a helpful tool for later. Tool for later. Flag that. When we talked about, like, Dean's torture and stuff or when they talk about it on the show, it's very much in the traditional sense of, like, he was tied up and they stabbed at him and stuff, whereas, like, this is different. And I think that it's, it's important to mention it now because I don't think that it's something that necessarily the show will remind you of once this period is over Uh, she's just looking at me blankly like (laughs) maybe we should move on I understand what you're saying but I also just like it's just nothing that I can really talk on 
Okay, well, let's make mom sleep that you can talk on. While we're still on Sam and his autonomy and bits and pieces, do you guys have thoughts about how this all goes down in terms of like, obviously, at the very end of the episode, like death does put his soul back? I think that it's really interesting that this Sam thinks of himself as a different person. Yeah. In the context of how he refers to like his soul and all that, because he's like, he says, like, Dean will do anything to get that guy back. He doesn't care about me. He just wants his brother back. Like, this Sam does not have any connections with the soul part of Sam. And I think that's really interesting. Which is so funny considering the first half of the season when he was all in on, but they're family, so we should trust them. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit last episode because it was really the first sort of episode where they truly embraced Sam not giving a shit. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I think that... It's, it is definitely a really interesting that he's sort of grown to think of himself as an independent personality separate to that of Sam. Like, I don't think I've ever considered that, like watching the show before, but like now looking yeah. at it and sort of spending more time thinking about everything, it's like, oh, that's actually like a significant differentiation for him to make, to be like, I am yeah. not Sammy. I'm actually mm-hmm. Samuel. <laughs> no he's the middle ground he's sam right <laughs> sammy is in hell samuel is their grandpa <laughs> sam is in the middle it's really interesting because he has sort of you can think of them as two separate characters because they are entirely mm-hmm. different people but mm-hmm. they are sort of co-inhabiting the same vessel and so i think mm-hmm. that's a really specifically interesting way to think about his characterization because it is mm-hmm. sam but it is also not Right. It's Sam. Like he he has all of the knowledge of how he was like, like everything that Sam has ever done in his life. He has that knowledge, but he just feels separated from it, which I think is probably why he felt so like there are family, Dean, because like that's like Sam's big thing. And he's like, well, that's what I remember I would care about if I did. Well, even in that, I don't know if it's necessarily like that's something that Sam really cares about. I think that it's maybe something that he's like, I know Dean cares about this. So if I want to make an argument that I'm going to use to convince Dean. Right. I'm going to use this tactic because I know that Dean really cares about family. The problem being is that Sam and Dean have really different definitions of what the fuck family is. (laughs) Yeah. Dean's like, I do care about family. My family. Mm -hmm. My found family. It doesn't have to be blood related. The other two people that I found and collected along the way. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, you're like the only blood related person I care about. Literally. Well, also to be fair, probably one of the only blood related people he has left. Right, true, true, true. <laughs> like one of the very few. Actually, it's really interesting, like in saying that in this episode, when Balthasar says to Sam, like, oh, patricide, Sam immediately goes, Well, my dad's been dead for years. And then Balthasar has to clarify and be like, Well, you know, you don't, it's not necessarily a dictionary definition of like Balthasar has to give him that. He doesn't make that kind of conclusion on his own. Whereas like Dean may have been more inclined to be like, oh, Bobby. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that Dean would have automatically knew. That it yeah. meant Bobby. <laughs> and let's just put it on the record here. Dean is correct. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. As usual, the narrative does reward Dean for his <laughs> gut instinct. Like they literally say in this episode that Bobby is basically their father in every way that matters. Like, yeah. And yeah. literally, Sam basically says to him, Bobby's like, I've been nothing but good to you. And Sam's like, yeah, it's kind of fucking wrong. <laughs> He's like, and that's on you. This is your fault. So, yeah, you should have fucking thought of that. <laughs> if you've been an asshole like our actual father, then this would be a problem for you right now. <laughs> so, you reap what you sow. I don't know. <laughs> Quickly on Sam and Bobby this episode. Also, the joke, reap what you sow in this episode is so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs>
Like, congratulations, you are a funny motherfucker. So I did want to touch on Sam and Bobby this episode because I do think that they're, number one, like, I know that it's a very serious, intense interaction that they're having, but I also think it's just, like, so funny in a way because, like, number one, the trap door, which we already kind of touched on, but Sam straight up asking Bobby if he's going to lock him up in the panic room is hilarious to me because... It sounds like the kind of thing that like should be sarcastic, but given previous experience, it's actually such a valid and legitimate question. It's relevant. It is yeah. definitely relevant. And like also by the end of the episode, he does end up locked up in the panic room. And I realized like <laughs> this is the third time I'm pretty sure that Sam's been shoved in this panic room. And at this point, it's actually a seasonal tradition. Like I don't think we've had a season. <laughs> since the panic room got introduced, that Sam has not been locked in it for some kind of fucking weird transgression. Like, he's trying to kill someone. Actually, I think every time he's also trying to kill someone. (laughs) It's nuts. They really introduced the panic room specifically to put Sam in it. Yeah, they really did. Also, like, Bobby being, like, during this whole ordeal, he's just like, no one's killing me in my house unless it's me. Like, Bobby. (laughs) It's such a raw line of dialogue. especially given Bobby's like previous and recent suicidal tendencies like but I actually love that line so much the implications are just like a little bit like Bobby bitch stop it it's like how about no one kills you (laughs) just full stop but also I love that he takes that kind of like I am not letting you get the fucking best of me in my own damn house exactly he's like no if I can't do it no one can if I Mm. get told I'm not allowed like by you previously like i know you're not you you right now but you told me not to so okay we kind of got away from it a little bit but we did before we move too far from sam and his autonomy i did also want to touch on the very end of the episode when death is forcibly putting the soul back in obviously this is going against sam's wishes not necessarily sammy's but sam's and he explicitly says like no don't touch me and like he's like looking at Dean he's like don't let this happen like you know you don't know what's going to happen I don't want this to happen and Dean's like "Mm, well you should have thought about that before you tried to kill my father so I'm just wondering where you guys sit on that because I think that this is one of those things that some people will like say like oh this is a Dean transgression it's combating Sam's like autonomy and stuff and like yes I understand that that's not good but I'm interested just to sort of talk about a little bit so up to this episode, if you'd asked me this question last week when we recorded our last episode, if you'd said, oh, hey, Dean's going to pretty severely violate Sam's bodily autonomy for what seems to be like no reason other than he wants Sam to have a soul again. And there's also a very good chance that when the soul does get returned, it's not going to go well. Mm. But like, okay, Dean's being a bit of a fucking dickhead a bit here. Like, yeah. is it really so bad that Sam doesn't have a soul? And then this episode, they were like, mm, but, you know, when Sam doesn't have a soul, sometimes he just randomly decides to try to murder Bobby. Mm. I'm like, yeah, no, Dean's doing the right thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like this yeah. episode pretty severely justifies mm-hmm. Dean's choices. Because at the end of the day, like, it's not so much about, like, Sam not having a soul. It's Sam doesn't have a soul, and so he's now trying to murder people about it. Like, you know what Some I mean? Some men really just won't go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like- <laughs> previously it was like oh he's like a little bit more like reckless than usual because like he doesn't have like that fear response he doesn't have you know that thing in his gut that says oh hey like this could go really badly maybe you should like letting him get totally put out you know so previously it was like oh no like sam is fine like he's a little different but like sam is ultimately fine and this episode was like oh no sam is not even slightly fine Mm. if he's presented with an opportunity of the way to stop this is this 
fully murder his father. Maybe Sam's not so fun. Yeah. It's about the end. It's not about the means. Where teens about the means, not not necessarily so much about the ends. Right. I think I agree. Especially because, like, we've seen, like, in the last few episodes and, like, this episode, like, this version of Sam is, like, really separating himself from following, like, what he thought he was supposed to and becoming, like, more just doing whatever he wants. And so I do think that it would have just gotten worse. And, like, Dean is sitting there fretting before death comes. Like, you know, what are we going to do with him? Are we supposed to just lock him up every time? Like, I think that eventually it would have gotten to the point that Dean would have had, or someone would have had to, like, kill Sam, kill this version of him. Because he has no sense of right and wrong. So I agree with everything you guys have just said. I was just interested because I've definitely seen some relatively like, and I'm I'm not trying to like shade anyone here, like because I think it's a valid argument that like it is 100 percent a violation of Sam's autonomy. Yeah, like, I want to put that out there. Like there is no question in that. But mm-hmm. I was just interested to see because I was like, I know I'm a biased dean girly, mm-hmm. and not to say that I think you you guys right, are. same. <laughs> Well, on the spectrum, I, I lean more towards Dean than Sam. But, like, yeah. I also would not describe myself as a Dean girly. No. Well, you're not a, a supernatural girly. No. Just full stop. So <laughs> you're kind of exempt. <laughs> but I just wanted to get, like, some other people's thoughts. Because I was like, you know, I personally think that it is a massive violation of Sam's autonomy. But I also think it's further complicated by the fact that we were talking about before. It's kind of like a sort of sort of different versions of Sam. And so, like by violating his autonomy in the sense of putting part of him back in to not do that is almost violating the other part of his autonomy because it's like you're forcing him to stay trapped in this abuse cycle so it's kind of like there is no win like either they leave sam being because it is still sam actively being tortured in hell yes so like either they leave him actively being tortured in hell or they violate this version of him on earth and i i think that there is no good way to leave that scenario really like there is no ideal solution without giving them two separate bodies but even that like you still have sam who's a raging killer and like (laughs) sam who's incredibly emotionally traumatized so it's like right you're still not winning (laughs) it's like that fucking like are you winning son and it's like no no (laughs) he is streaming just no But in this particular instance, like taking in all the levels of context, I don't think there was a better option they could have taken without just straight up killing him and trying to re-raise him again. Like It's not so much that it's a good decision for Dean to have made. It's it's shit. What Dean did was shit, full stop. But the issue is Dean didn't really have any other choices that were good. Yeah. It's like, like he's he's been forced into a corner and he doesn't have a sneaky little trapdoor like Bobby does. Like he's right. just stuck. <laughs> just got to make a choice and that's the choice he made. And I think that all the other choices, like you said, like also suck. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And but. I also think there was a chance that maybe Sam could have gotten Dean to change his mind until Sam tried to murder Bobby. Yeah. And really cemented in Dean's mind, oh, this is not Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, maybe a more fun side note <laughs> on Sam and Bobby. <laughs> I am curious. Do we think that Solar Sam is better or worse at poker? Like, just, I I don't think there's, like, a huge depth of conversation to have here. I was just watching the episode, and I was like, oh, I wonder. Because, like, Bobby and Dean have both told Sam, like, previously that he's fucking shit at poker. Because, <laughs> like, here's the thing. I think, he, theoretically, he should be better at poker. Theoretically, yeah. yeah. But Bobby still absolutely read that he was going to try and kill him yeah. through playing <laughs> poker. So, so true. So true. So I, I think I think it's a ranking system. I think Solar Sam is better than like normal Sam at poker. He's still really bad. <laughs> but 
still not as good as Demon Blood, Sam at poker. Okay. Like, that's the ranking. Okay. Like, Demon Blood, Solar Sam, normal Sam. Oh, can you imagine if Solar Sam was offered Demon Blood right now? Keep him away from the stuff. Oh, my, my Lord. God. Can you imagine the level of chaos? <laughs> the writers knew that would be too much. They were like, it's too powerful. <laughs> and Sam would be so OP. <laughs> but the thing is, it's a real shame because, like, at the end of the day... I like Sam best when, when he's unhinged. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if he's not fucking desperate as shit, if he's not fucking unhinged, if he's not going a little bit insane. That's the appeal of Supernatural, honestly. They just take <laughs> these floorboards and they just fucking bully them. And we're like, yeah, that's the good shit. Do it again. Put them to the brink. I want to get Beth's opinion on something. Because we talked about this last week. And I want to know if they share our opinion. Mm-hmm. All side characters can be boiled down to either Dean side characters or Sam side characters. Like, for example, like to kind of break it down, like mm-hmm. Tessa, Dean side character. Yeah. Like, Dean, Dean side, side character. character. Ruby, Sam, Sam side, side character. character. No, no, no. You're right. You're totally <laughs> right. Although um, I will say, and I know you didn't mean it, but Cass is a main character. Well, look, when he gets upgraded from recurring to main character, then we'll call him the main character. I think he already is. Yeah, he's on the... Yeah, he's on the credits. He gets demoted later. <laughs> Sarah Gamble Longcon. Oh, I have evidence for the Sarah Gamble Longcon. Oh my god, this is episode. Okay. It just reminded me. And it's also like a fucking end game Longcon fucking piece of thing. The way that the guy who dies of a heart attack in this episode goes, that's it? A Kansas song? The way that he is dressed like Castiel gave me such 1520 PGS. Wrote it in my notes, too. I was waiting on when to bring it up. Like, literally, someone being disappointed in the end. And it's because of a Kansas song. But also, that's actually a callback to Faith as well. It is. And I was going to talk about that, too. But just the fact that he goes, that's it? A Kansas song? I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, no, I felt... You're right. That was it. I literally felt victimized on my couch watching that scene. (laughs) Sarah Gamble, like, long Sarah Gamble, how dare you do this to me on my birthday? <laughs> and actually, do you know what? Robert Singer was the other co-writer on this yeah, episode. It was I, Gamble I looked and Singer it up. wrote it. Um, and directed by uh, Mike Roll. But I was like, damn, Gamble and Singer. Mm. Also, like, the pizza that he's eating and Dean's like, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe it's the extra cheese or whatever. And he's like, yeah, but it was good. Like, alluding to, like, pizza being, like, uh-huh. this really Everyone good thing. Everyone knows the pizza man. Everyone yeah. Loves- Jamie, so you keep saying that <laughs> Beth and I, the Beths, are on the same page about <laughs> about the pizza. Also, the way that Dean was immediately like, oh, so it's a local place? Like, where can I also get some of this pizza <laughs> that I've just like watched Dean. kill you? <laughs> yeah, like, this is just a throwaway scene. Like, they only added it in to, like, show off, like, the Dean, like, the death ring. Like, they just... yeah. It, it was a bit of like fun comedy to like establish the stakes and like show right. the concept and like oh Dean's gonna like skate by like it's right. all it's all easy. For it, Although I for it to point be out that like he, whether or not he should have been like huh that looks like a heart attack waiting to happen like I, I think that. that that's <laughs> yeah it's like I understand the purpose of the scene however yeah that sort of assessment in and of itself was uh questionable let's just say right. Big yikes yeah I put fat phobia. Mm-hmm. Eye roll emoji. Like, mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. Scene is actually killing me. So. I was in pain. <laughs> I was just sitting in bed. I've just read this fic that Jamie's written me. I'm like having a great morning. I turned this on and I was like, what the fuck? Wait, wait, wait. No. 
you woke up this morning, was reminded the queen died, read Jamie's pick, and then I had to deal with this. Morning. Your day is such a roller coaster. I walked out of my bedroom and I ran into Naomi in the corridor. She's like, oh, happy birthday. And I was like, oh, thank you. She's like, so how would you feel like, you know, 25? And like, we made the joke about like, oh, like Leonardo DiCaprio will never want to date me. I'm safe. And like, you know, oh, my frontal lobe, it's fully developed. And she was like, oh, does that mean you're cured? And I was like, what? And she was like, are you no longer obsessed with Supernatural? And I was like, well, I woke up this morning, read a fit Jamie wrote for me and then watched an episode of Supernatural. So I don't think so. Yeah. Um, as someone who is approaching 29, I don't think that the frontal lobe is responsible for the brain rot. <laughs> it's too late. It already took root. <laughs> oh, it, it latched onto me in my formative years. It's been literally a decade now that I've been thinking too much about this fucking show. And that's okay. <laughs> See, I get the unique honor of I knew Beth before her supernatural phase. <laughs> you knew Beth before and you knew Beth after. <laughs> I'm so scared to ask which Beth you prefer. <laughs> so while we're kind of talking about, kind of vaguely in the realm of talking about the guy who died from a heart attack, Jamie, you mentioned Faith. Did you want to talk about that in any, in any more depth? or I'm just connecting dots at this point. Mm. Like Because here's the thing. The first time we are ever introduced to the concept of Reapers, yeah. we meet everyone's favourite character, the Reaper from Faith. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> Hannah, we miss you. <laughs> Hannah, that one's just for you, babe. <laughs> we get introduced to the concept of sort of like how death works. In Supernatural, we meet Reapers for the first time. And obviously, Dean is healed. But the gay teacher that they kill to heal Dean dies of a heart attack. So it just, it feels very much like a connection there that they yeah. were like trying to establish. As in like the second person who Dean kills as death dies of a heart attack it's actually also the girl that he refuses to kill initially has a severe heart condition and Mm -hmm. i made the note that the way roy lay a hand on dean to heal him of his heart condition and now he has to do the opposite he has to lay his hand on this Mm -hmm. little girl to and this little girl is so dean coded she also has a heart condition that's gonna kill her (laughs) yeah and like you know he says to tessa like she's 12 and she's not dying today like i'm death i get to make the choice and i'm choosing she's not going to die today. And then like, obviously that backfires and the nurse dies instead. But yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think that it's super, super interesting having those like kind of parallels, whether they were intentional or not. I would like to assume they were because Sarah Gamble also wrote Faith Mm -hmm. and KJ has this whole theory about Dean and deaths related to the heart. Please go and listen to their takes on it because I'm not going to butcher their, their headcanons here. And it is, so interesting their theory but the thing that always gets me is anytime we say like deaths related to heart all I hear is that fucking sound that's like shot through the heart (laughs) you know how your brain like auto fills things that's what it auto fills in that silence like (laughs) is a problem with Tessa and Dean I do think it's interesting like the interactions that they have this episode but I also have like a small gripe with Tessa and I don't say that lightly because I love her. I think she's great. I said earlier that I think she's underrated, but when the nurse dies, right. And Dean reaps her and it's like a very sort of tense scene. And like, I understand that Tessa is trying to make a point to Dean. Like she shouldn't have died. She should have got to live her life and your choices because you think that you're above all this has made it. So this innocent woman has died before her time. But I was like, you didn't have to say that in front of Jolene. Like she's literally yeah. looking at her own dead body, 
dealing with the concept of her own mortality, her actual death, and the fact that there is an afterlife, like, she's upset enough. <laughs> like, you don't have yeah. to also point at that guy and be like, yeah, it's his fault, you're dead. Sorry about yeah. that. You were supposed to have this great long life, but now you're dead and it's all his fault. I was like, I understand what you're doing, but that is actually really unprofessional. <laughs> and I think it's out of character for Tessa. It wouldn't happen right. to the Reaper from Faith. You're right. <laughs> it would have never. Also, sort of on the same topic, I wanted to mention that, number one, I think Dean suddenly appearing in the passenger seat of that guy's car actually did not make the situation better. I don't understand what he was trying to achieve in that moment. Like, I kind of get it, but also, bro, like, just because you're used to cats randomly appearing in the passenger seat next to you does not mean that is normal for most fucking people. Every time I see it, I'm like, that's such a choice that you're making. Like, that man straight up is going to believe that, like, an aggressive angel saved him from, like, crashing into a bus. Michael Gore? (laughs) He's like, yeah, this guy yelled at me, popped out of nowhere, took the wheel, and then just stood outside for a minute screaming to someone named tessa and then disappeared <laughs> note this is car garage guy is gonna become a paranormal investigator like he's gonna go home he's gonna find the ghost faces online and he's gonna be like this has opened my entire world <laughs> <laughs> and what's the funniest thing is they'll be like oh yeah we just want to make sure we're not like those guys they're dickheads and they'd be talking about that <laughs> i actually did want to make a note though like I think that it's an interesting choice to highlight that Dean will constantly choose the lives of strangers over himself. Because like in that moment, he knows that if he takes that ring off, that Sam is fucked. Like he knows that death won't help him. Well, he thinks that death won't help him. Mm -hmm. He takes the ring off and he still chooses to take the ring off to try and right his wrong and save this guy's life, even though it condemns him and Sam, essentially. And I just thought that that was like really interesting. Yeah, because turns out death's another freak in love with him. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Like I I think that you're very right in that every person and like entity that gives dean and sam shit for like how much they try to like circumvent death and like fuck things up no one gives them credit for the fact that they don't do it if they're in the presence of anyone else needing saving <laughs> like they don't they never do it's it's always like sure like the rules don't apply to us but we're gonna use that for the greater good like we're not gonna right. we're not out here like committing atrocities and then being like oh and i guess we don't have to die it's like oh we'll die but yeah. we did it because we were trying to save like seven billion other people and also so, like, like six supernatural freaks obsessed with me right now so yeah. one of them will- right Literally. dean is in a situationship with at least three major players right now <laughs> like i'm sure one of them will cover me it's fine but the only one who'll admit it is crowley yeah actually <laughs> surprisingly passes in denial and death is just like he means nothing to me (laughs) some other stuff that i wanted to touch on specifically in relation to to death so this seems like a good sort of spot to put it is number one i love death which seems like such a weird sentence but in the context is fine for me to say (laughs) i honestly he is such a delight the actor is phenomenal and the fact that he's always sharing his food is actually so adorable and endearing to me, specifically as a person who's very passionate about food and will share food at any opportunity. Yeah. I just think it's so cute. And I think that he has a specific love of like fast food options as well. It's like super duper interesting. But I also think that that might be in relation to Dean. Because like when we see him eating, we mm-hmm. it's always in the context of like he's just chatting to Dean and he's like, here, have some pizza. Here, have some hot dog here have some pickles you know like whatever it is and it does make me think that maybe it's sort of like tessa mentioned way back when in their first episodes of season two that like 
reapers will appear in a, a visage essentially that makes the other person feel comfortable to help them transition and it does make me wonder like if sam was meeting with death would he have like a caesar salad do you know what i mean salad. like <laughs> would he have like a chicken breast wrap with veggies like <laughs> i'm wondering if it's more so because we only ever see him eating in the context of hanging out with dean that that's the type right. of food he enjoys versus like if it's actually a personality <laughs> Yeah, it's actually low-key death trying to flirt with Dean and yeah. like be on a little a sneaky little He's date. Like, Look, we have all the same interests. <laughs> He's just more subtle about the same thing that Crowley does. Like, like I'm just gonna take Dean on a little date. Yeah, no, totally. You know what is so fucking funny is we have a Destiel version of this where Dean literally does this to Cass, where he's like, oh, well, like, you know, say this is a dead end. Like, we can head back to that burger joint we passed on the, like, whatever freeway. Let's grab some burgers and beer. And then Cass is like, oh, my God, there's our lead. And then, like, the scene ends. I'm just like, no, baby, he was asking you out. Dean's like, no. Fuck. (laughs) Anyway, I just think that's very funny. But I do think that this conversation that they have, food aside, is very obviously it's very important to the plot and I think it's important for both of the characters I wanted to just call out a couple of specific things so number one I liked the sort of metaphor that death gives where he says wrecking the natural order isn't quite so fun when you have to mop up the mess is it and I think that that's particularly interesting because it's kind of giving Dean like a behind the curtain look at the bigger picture that he's always being told about like Cass and like the angels and stuff have been saying to him and death's been saying to him you know, there's a bigger picture here. And like even Cass, like with his whole thing this season of being like, I don't have fucking time for this, bro. I want to help, but I'm I'm busy, all right? You know, and there's like a bigger picture and it's hard for the brothers to conceptualize because like they just don't see it. They can't see the forest for the trees. And so I think that this is really interesting for Dean to have to actually step back and see the forest and understand that like actually your choices do have consequences. You just don't usually have to deal with a fallout someone else does it's kind of like the concept of the trickle down effect but like in reverse so instead of Mm -hmm. like management making a decision and then everyone on the ground floor being fucked over by it and having to kind of course correct for them it's the other way around like dean and sam are making decisions that they don't think are that consequential and like death at the top of the food chain is like fuck those guys in particular (laughs) like y'all just are the worst (laughs) i also think the way that he describes the human soul is quite funny because he says that it's about the souls and like they're more powerful than you think. And it made me think of that Pooh Bear quote where he's like, stronger than you seem, braver than you believe, and smarter than you think. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> kind of cute, actually. But it also <laughs> ties directly into my current theory about the plot of season seven in that <laughs> Crowley wants purgatory because of the souls. Like they're they're free real estate. There's a whole bunch of souls just chilling down there. Like most yeah. souls are still souls. Yeah, exactly. So it does support that. Yeah. Because yeah. death is saying, think about the souls. <laughs> free real estate i'm playing so this <laughs> the last thing that i wanted to mention and this is like we all know i love dean i'm a dean kelly i love him he's my blow boy i know that I, beth i know you love him jamie i know that you tolerate him and <laughs> but he's so stupid sometimes and this is one of those times he literally says to death you only made that bet because you knew I wouldn't last the 24 hours. And I was like, yes, sweetie, that's what gambling is. He bet on the outcome that he assumed would be true. You're just that's how that works. (laughs) It was rigged. I was like, no, it wasn't. You walked into a bet. The terms were very clear. He just knew you wouldn't 
lost. Like that's not him cheating you. That's just you making the he wrong knows bet. You. And when he <laughs> he knows you as a person, he knows how you get around people who are dying. It's like yes, of course he knew you wouldn't get through the twenty four hours. That's why he specifically bet on that. Like, <laughs> babe, I'm on your team. But that's literally not how gambling works. And like, you're literally betting against death. Like. That's on you, Kim. Like, you have to think about that a little bit. Also, when they kill Dean to have the meeting with Death, and he's like, you couldn't have given me more time. It's like, Dean, you know what Death was about to say. It's not... Death was going to say, you need to learn about the consequences. Like, I don't think you can do it, basically. Yeah. Like, in a nutshell. And Dean's like, oh, but that was vital information. (laughs) For him, maybe it was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and also... Death straight up looks him in the eye and says, you're an affront to the balance of the universe. And Dean's like, I apologize for that. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. He's like, you're not wrong. Like, I'm the sorry. The fact that you exist is an inconvenience to me. And Dean's like, sorry, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, sorry, it will happen again. I'm currently I'm asking you to make it happen again on my behalf. I am once again asking you to make one exception for me and my family member. <laughs> What's so funny, though, is, like, he walks in and, like, he's obviously thinking, "Mm, well, Death's going to want his ring back. (laughs) You know, I've got this thing. Death has no idea. And Death's like, I fucking know where you put it. Like, you're not original, dude. Death's like, I could have taken it from Bobby's house at any point. I was just enjoying my vacation. (laughs) What Jeff takes a holiday really should have been about. Really should have been. (laughs) Annual leave I've accrued. (laughs) The last four millennia. Yeah. Death was like, no, I was just like waiting on you. Cause like he knew yeah. the second Dean was in the veil. He was yeah. just like, Tessa, it's fine. I'm here. I'll talk through him. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I've just been waiting on you. It's like, you know how you walk into a restaurant? Obviously, like, you don't because you're not addicted to customer service workers. But like <laughs> certain clients walk into like a restaurant or something and like you see them and you're like, I'm getting the fucking manager. Like, I'm not dealing with this bullshit. Like, the manager's, like, already heard them enter, like, watched on the security figures, like, is already walking out to the front of the store because, like, it's not worth the fucking, like, hassle of, like, them being a dick to, like, the lowest level service workers. Like, right. Everyone knows. Yeah. Like, Dean walked into that restaurant and they were like, okay, yeah, we're getting the manager. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not trying to deal with this fucking dude. <laughs> I tell you what, though, the way that Tessa was like, so... I don't know, like, if you guys would work and stuff, but, you know, sometimes, like, you take a call from someone and they're like, oh, I want to speak to this person. And you're like, oh, I know this person is here, but I also know that they just do not want to be bothered right now. So I'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, they're not here. or They stepped out or they're in a meeting. Can I get them to call you back kind of thing? And that's literally what Tessa was trying to do, but, like, more aggressive. Like, no, you can't speak to my manager, actually. He's on leave. <laughs> yeah. And Dean being like, you can't or you won't. And she's like, both. both. <laughs> Fucking love it. I only have a couple of like little little notes left. Does anyone have anything like specifically that they want to actually do an in-depth chat about? Mm, I don't think so. Don't think so. Jamie, do you have anything left? I don't have anything. To- I have a couple of little notes that I want to cover, but I don't have anything really specific left. I yeah. have like a couple of little tidbits. So I might speed run those. And then if you want to speed run your Yeah, absolutely. Then- okay. Number one, having this quote unquote doctor dude above the butcher is giving Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> As Dean is putting the ring on, he has a streetlight framed over his shoulder, which I thought is interesting because it's like, oh, the angel on your shoulder. And like, sometimes death is referred to as like the angel of death. And so I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's interesting, especially with like the 401, like costuming imagery and and bits and pieces. When Sam is summoning Balthazar, I was like, oh my God, witch Sam, love to see it. Because I love Mm. a little witch Sam moment. 
Dean letting the shooter suffer exclusively because he threatened to kill a child, I think was so in character. Yes. And I was like, I respect that decision to have him be like, it's an excruciating pain, right? And then she's like, yeah. And have him be like, good. (laughs) Also, when Bobby and Sam are playing poker, it is so fucking dark in that house. And I know that this is Jamie's thing, but damn, Bobby, put a fucking light on. You're in your home. You're not in a haunted fucking you know asylum or something there's working electricity just flick a switch but they blew the entire lighting budget this episode on that one where he's putting the soul back in Seb. they were like we can't afford lighting and like my this is actually one of the notes i wanted to cover because my note was literally "Mm, there goes the lighting budget (laughs) (laughs) there's one episode a season that uses their entire lighting budget and this one this is season this is it yeah I love when Bobby turns around, like he thinks he's knocked Sam out with a beer and he turns around to tie him up and Sam's not there and he just goes, not good. I'm like, yep, taking a leaf out of Sam's book, that is understatement of the season, not good. <laughs> but not also good. Bobby should know by now that Sam is basically impervious to head trauma. Yeah, Bobby actually should be paying more attention. Yeah. Like he knows that, you know, <laughs> concussions have no lasting impacts on Sam. We all know if you want to take Sam down, you have to stab him. And I understand yes. Bobby's hesitation, but that's just the facts. <laughs> it's the only canonical way to a take stab out Sam. <laughs> Sam Winchester is so fucking stabbable. But he is impervious to everything else. It's kind of like his Achilles heel is just sharp objects. And then Dean saying, to, when he does reap the, the 12-year-old with the heart condition, she's looking at her dad and and Dean's like oh he'll be fine and she goes really and he goes uh I've got no idea like he really tried to like bluff his way through it and then he was like I gotta be real with you kid I don't fucking know anymore (laughs) and I was like that's actually like it's a really sad moment but I did kind of like I liked it I thought it was like a nice moment and then my last note it's right before Dean sees death the second time like they're looking at Sam and he's in the, the panic room and there's like fucking 20 30 second long back and forth where it just cuts between sam on the bed looking at dean through the door and dean's eyes looking at sam through the slot in the door and it goes back and forth and back and forth and they just keep zooming in a little bit more each time and i was like damn i think i think we got it i think we've got it (laughs) mike roll i don't think you needed to do that six times like we get it (laughs) once maybe twice would have been enough okay my final point was just the note that I made when Sam decided to kill Bobby, which is, this is why Dean is the favorite. <laughs> oh. Dean has never actually tried to kill him. Yeah, basically. I mean, you're not wrong. It Suddenly that line makes so much more sense. It's like, yeah, this is why Dean is the favorite. Even without a soul, I would argue that I don't think Dean would have ever actually contemplated killing Bobby. I've said to you before, like, we get later iterations in the series of different characters without souls. and. I would argue that Sam without a soul is really different to any other character without a soul. And it becomes yeah. <laughs> really interesting in retrospect. It does. There's a, a plot line for Dean in like the early parts of season 10, which I think are really interesting in terms of morality and Dean and Sam mm-hmm. and morality, particularly in regards to plot lines that Sam has more in the early parts of the series versus Dean in the latter, latter parts of the series. Obviously, I can't really get into it right now, but like for anyone who's listening, Beth, who knows what I'm talking about, anyone who's (laughs) listening at home, you all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But yeah, no, it's certainly, there's certainly a differentiation. There's something different about Sam. (laughs) (laughs) And to be fair, it might just be that like Sam was the first character in the show to be portrayed as soulless. So like he was kind of, 
It's kind of like Misha Collins deciding what angels were going to be and then everyone else ignoring his brief and that makes Cass look different to every other angel. And then Jared Padalecki did the same thing or like the writers were like, this is what a soulless person is going to be. And then the later seasons, like writers and acting choices were like, actually, we don't like that. We're going to do something different. And it just makes Sam look like a psychopath. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's canon. Yeah. (laughs) Sucks to be you, I guess. Just like now Cass is autistic. That's just what it is. (laughs) Anyway, I think unless either of you have any final thoughts to add i'm done for the day it's um no i don't have anything else no okay so that brings us to the end of today's episode so jamie and beth how would you rate this week's episode out of five it's hard because like i think this episode is a vibe like i think it is fully like i am quite enjoying fucking solar sam he is just unhinged on so many levels and it was a good choice the fact that they're like oh let's just make him unhinged brilliant choice top tier choice of them like I feel like Jared Padalecki doesn't really often get to flex his acting muscles with comedy Mm. and Solar Sam just presents him with so many opportunities to do that and I think Mm. he actually does it really well so you you know like I'm vibing with Solar Sam I think it's really fun really interesting like a bit different I also love Tessa the Reaper I think death is like the portrayal of death is so like you understand why he's my favorite horseman yeah Yeah. like no contest also helps his case that he's the only horseman that we've seen since yeah good point <laughs> I, I have a feeling the other horsemen are coming back based on the implications like they may return at a later date but like the I, don't, I don't mind telling you that they yeah. can we are the only horseman that we see beyond Kukira is death yeah so it's kind of like the way they left death versus the way they left the other horsemen is really like even like obviously you just confirmed it for me but there's no implication that anyone else is going to become recurrent. They're not having an ongoing relationship because the other horsemen didn't immediately become obsessed with Dane. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> but no, I think I might give this episode a four out of five. Really? Yeah. Like pleasantly surprised. I was vibing. It pushed forward the plot in a way that was logical but also not just like, oh, here's a butt-ton of fucking exposition. Yeah, it didn't feel info-dumpy. Mm, yeah. They portrayed the information that we needed to learn and the outcome that we sort of needed to eventuate mm. in a way that was entertaining and, like, made sense both looking backwards and looking forwards. Mm. Yeah. And, I mean, like, everyone's got opinions on the writers and stuff for Supernatural, but, like, Sarah Gamble, she is showrunning this season. This was her episode she really had like so much control over how this was going to go. And obviously like it is significant, like to the plot and that it's kind of the midway point of the season. Actually, I think it's the exact midway point of the season. Mm-hmm. And so like, I would hazard a guess that they had this plotted out yeah. well before necessarily other episodes that we've seen before it chronologically were plotted out. Yeah. And I think that that execution really pays off. Um, you know what? I think honestly, you know how you say Supernatural is like 4D chess? Yeah. I or like think, 8D, honestly. Or like 8D chess. I think Sarah Gamble's the one who brought the chessboard. Mm. You know, like it just kind of feels like Sarah Gamble is foundational. That's why she's got the long con. To like the... we have jokes about the other writers, but like the Sarah Gamble long con really is like, it started as a joke and now it's real. <laughs> it's so <laughs> pervasive. Anyway, Beth, did you have a rating for this week's episode? Yeah. So this isn't one of my favorite episodes. It has a severe lack of cast, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it was better than when I first, like, because, like, I couldn't even remember what really happened in this episode. So I w- I'd give it probably. And yet you're still like, I'm going to join them for this episode. <laughs> right. Low key, like, Hannah picked this episode. Oh, so Make- it's even worse that she could oh, make it. I know. So I was like, I don't even remember what happens really. But I, it was fine watching it back. I'd give it like a 3.5. 
personally. It's not often that we get a guest who ranks an episode lower than Jamie, so it's always <laughs> kind of exciting when it happens. I'm like, oh, Okay, so next week's episode is titled Like a Virgin. Jamie, do you have any thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams, or predictions? Like a virgin. Like the Madonna song? I assume that that's the reference. I don't know what else that they would be referencing. Cass raises Dean from hell again and he's re-virginized again. He's rehyphenated. <laughs> rehyphenated once more. <laughs> I'm assuming it's some sort of like I'm gonna I'm gonna hazard a guess. I mean, isn't that what you're always doing? <laughs> you said that as if like normally you're like to be fair though. Normally I'm not doing it with hazard. Like you know what I mean? Like okay. normally I'm like this is fucking what like you're like this is what I'm gonna get, and I don't care if I'm right. Yeah, like I said what I said, but it feels like it's maybe going to be like a reference to like the Bible. Like it seems like it's gonna be maybe like influenced by the Bible. I know like virginity oh, is like okay. a a precursor for a lot of like maybe maybe it's like witches or something and they're like sacrificing virgins or like something along those lines mm. and do we think that Cass will be in next week's episode yeah how else is dean gonna make sure he doesn't die a virgin <laughs> and do we think that crowley is gonna be in next week's episode unfortunately i don't mm-hmm. i want him there because i feel like with the title like like a virgin probably my- there would be iconic <laughs> like you know what i mean but I, I unfortunately, I think they're sort of moving a little bit away from the Crowley storyline for a bit. Because we've had some pretty Crowley heavy episodes. We've recently. had some pretty Crowley heavy, and now we're like, obviously, they're going to have to deal with the implications of like Sam Soul being shoved back in his body, like that fallout mm-hmm. is going to be addressed next week. <laughs> Can you imagine if they just didn't? Can you imagine like next episode is just like Sam's normal again, and we just never talk about it? They're like, well, we're done with that. Like we don't talk about the wall until season fifteen. Like. <laughs> So that was what was wrong with 15 to Yeah, Yeah, actually, the wall came down the in Sam's brain and that's where everything went wrong. <laughs> there would be way more foreshadowing for that than for fucking Jenny the Vampire. <laughs> Beth is head in hand. <laughs> Jenny? Look, she ranked in my top five female characters in the movie era. So I think on that note, that just about does it for this week's episode. So thank you so much for listening. Beth, thank you so very much for joining us. Do you want to do yeah. your pluggy pluggy so i'm a part of raising perdition you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts we're in season four right now i don't know when y'all are posting this i don't know when we're posting because of everything whenever the strike ends (laughs) but we're probably still on season four when this releases if not season five five. whatever (laughs) still not yet completed kripke era right yeah we're still in the thick of kripke yeah, find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you want to find me specifically, I'm Beth Loves Cast everywhere, TikTok, Twitter. I refuse to call it X, so. <laughs> no, valid. <laughs> I've also refused. Uh-huh. It's Twitter. Yeah, I will. I'm going to be like an old person where they're like things change, but they still call it whatever it was back in the heyday. I It's Twitter. This is like the opposite of when old people <laughs> refuse to rename things though, because this is yeah. like oh, it used to be fine, but now it's problematic and we're just still going to call it the fine thing, whereas normally right. it's the other way around. <laughs> right. And, like, I've had a Twitter account since 2009, so, like, I'm going to call it Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yep, that's me. And if you wanted to interact with me and Jamie, you can always find us on any of our social media platforms, all of the links for which will be in the description below. Yeah, thanks for listening. If you wanted to interact, some possible topics for conversation could include... Does Dean have a special little outfit for being raised from the dead? Oh, yeah. Tell me if I'm right about that. I'm sorry, Becky. The number of times you put your head in your hands. <laughs> it's like no one listening will know, but we will. <laughs> sorry. It's just like a stress response with Supernatural, you know? You just have to like, it grounds me in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
this means nothing to Jamie, but it's like the palm thing, right? Like, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that will mean something to you soon, I promise. Anyway, do you have a thought on why Death likes the food that he does? Because I'm kind of like, I've never thought about it really in depth, but I kind of like my theory about how it might change depending on who he's actually talking to. So like, I would like to hear people's thoughts on that or like opinions, like on if he was talking to other characters, if it would change. Favorite uh, low-key date that some quote unquote villain has taken Dean. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm obsessed with that. That is such a good one. The the dates that supernatural beings have taken Dean on. Yeah. Yeah. Up to this point only, because there are some future ones. Well, you can do future ones, but it just has to be in the spoiler in chat. Yes, yes. actually, that's how. Come talk to me and, and Beth about. <laughs> yeah. About future ones. Talk to Jamie about seasons gone by. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Thank you again, Beth, for joining us. And hopefully we have you back again next week. Bye. We wave every week, but nobody can see it. <laughs> we just wave to each other. Okay. It's really weird, actually. It's like a cult. <laughs> but it's like. It, it, it thank you for like, indulging us and waving back. It feels unnatural to not wave when you say goodbye. No, yeah. Anyway.